Hello and welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast, a leadership show where we speak with passionate achievers in order to dissect the DNA of their success. This podcast is produced in association with the Hindu Business Line newspaper and its campus edition BL on Campus. In this edition, we speak with Prakash Iyer, best-selling author of 3 books, a leadership coach for CEOs and a professional speaker. He was until recently the managing director of Kimberly Clark Lever and was earlier the managing director and CEO of Infomedia India Limited. Prior to that, Prakash was executive director at PepsiCo, responsible for the company's operations in South India and Sri Lanka. I have read his first two books, The Habit of Winning and The Secret of Leadership. I like both his books for the simplicity of stories with impactful lessons. Prakash is a master storyteller and it clearly comes across in his latest book You Too Can where he profiles successful entrepreneurs. I turned the tables on him and I asked him a lot of questions for this podcast and you will surely like his answers. Let's listen to this interesting conversation with Prakash Iyer. Prakash, thank you so much for coming on the Movers and Shakers podcast. My pleasure entirely Kripa, good to be here. Prakash before you decided to turn a full time entrepreneur you were earlier the ceo of kimberly clark so walk us through your professional journey so far my professional journey so you know uh, what i do today really is a bunch of things i speak a fair bit around the stuff that i'm passionate about i write a bit and i do some advisory work for a private equity fund but if i was to quickly rewind you know was like most kids went to school college and did an mba and that meant going to work So I started my career selling soap, and I used to be with Hindustan Lever. And really, my career seen me sell a fairly interesting range of products, everything from soap and colas to to yellow pages to diapers. So you know, Pepsi is where I spent a lot of my time. I then went and ran what was uh, Tata Press, uh, became Infomedia India, before moving on to Kimberly Clark. And that was really my professional journey. It took me, you know, I spent about thirty years doing all of that. But I guess somewhere along the way, the, the calling of saying, "Hey, really." there was something that i think i wanted to do in my life and that's really what i decided to do in the middle of 2014 when i stepped out of the corporate world to pursue stuff i'm really passionate about let's talk about that bit because it is not easy especially for someone in 30 years in the corporate space you climbed your ladder up to the position of a ceo a very comfortable plus position i must add what gave you the guts to step out of that to be on your own I must be very honest, Kripa. It might sound trite, but I don't think it's so much about guts as much as about being clear about what do you really want. And I think if you're clear about what do you really want, you suddenly realize that you know you probably have enough of some of the things that you might have needed, and that gives you the freedom to go out and pursue whatever else it is that you want to do. And therefore, to be in a very very honest sense, I'd probably say this that. the idea of saying i could you know probably stay on in a corporate role and perhaps make a little more money maybe drive a little bigger car or or do those things or you know continue to travel in the front of the plane i don't think these were really the things that got me excited they were nice they served a purpose and to be fair i had reached perhaps a stage in my life where i said hey you know i think from a need perspective you know i'm probably taken care of and that takes away the fear So it's not about saying what will I do tomorrow if I can't make enough money to put food on the table. That wasn't a concern. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't, and you know maybe there are younger people today who actually do that. I admire them because that's where you need guts. 
you know, you get married, you have a child and you quit your job because you don't like it and you want to go and do something else and you don't know where the money will come from. I didn't really do something like that. I kind of ensured that I had, let's say, covered my bases in a sense and was free to pursue what I wanted to do. And I think when you're free to do what you want to do, it gives you courage, but it also gives you the, you know, the opportunity to go and do lots of stuff that you may not have thought was possible. And potentially when you're not looking for returns, they're easy, they come easier, I think. So. I love how you said that, you know, if you're clear about doing things, then taking decisions like stepping out of a job becomes a lot more easier. I'm sure a lot of us are in that space, but seeking clarity. How did, what steps did you take to get clarity of thought and that helped you move forward? I think uh, you're right. Lots of people are perhaps going through a similar, you know, decision dilemma. And I'd probably say this, maybe two or three words of advice. The first, it's not a good idea to make the switch on a negative vote, mm. which is to say that I don't like what I'm doing now. Mm. And therefore, I want to make a switch. I think it's a bad idea uh, because you're not sure what you're getting into. And chances are, if you don't like what you're doing now, you'll find something else that you won't like and what you, what you try and do. So you're only kind of shifting the problem. You're not solving the problem. And I think be very, very careful. So, you know, people who say, I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. Uh, I don't like the, the long hours. I don't get recognized for what I'm doing. None of these is reason enough to make a switch into, into this other field that you might want to do. I think that's the first one. The second one, I think, is it's very often, you know, it's not a, a zero-one switch. And what I wouldn't advise is for you to shut one door one fine morning and try and then check, hey, okay, now let me look where the next door is. That's not a good idea. I think you should kind of, you know, test the waters a little bit, try and, you know, wet your feet, see if you enjoy it, see if you like what you're doing, see what's the real world out there. And without actually having made that shift 100%, try and get a feel for what that other world looks like. And you must have a very strong calling in that other world to be able to get there rather than, like I said, a negative vote on one end. You must be telling yourself, wow, I only spend a little time doing this, but I'm really loving it. You know, I'm only done a little bit, but I've learned a hell of a lot and I'm really enjoying it. And I think people like what I'm doing. So when you get there, that's when you will feel a little more comfortable about making the switch. So don't be in a hurry to just kind of say, you know, I don't like this and therefore I always wanted to do something else and I'm going to go and end up doing that. I think that's not a good idea. Brilliant piece of advice. How did you build brand Prakash Iyer? Because that's very important. When you were the CEO of a company like PepsiCo, Kimberly Clark, you had the power of the brand behind you, right? When you move out and come on your own, it is really your own brand that matters more. So how did you build that? Like anything else, don't worry too much about you know, what the end result will look like. I don't think I spent too much time uh, consciously worrying about what will brand Prakash look like one day. But what I do worry about is, hey, as a human being, how do I come across every single day? Am I being honest to myself? Am I being myself? Am I ensuring that I'm reaching out to the people who I'd, I'd like to reach out to? So you probably do whatever it is that, that you want to do, and I think I use the word authentic with great respect, which is to say that you can't try and build a brand of saying that's what you'd like people to see you like if that's not who you are. Mm, so beautiful. just be who you are. Just be who you are. Just be yourself. But in the process, be mindful that like anything else, success will take time. I think brands are consistent. And that's something else that maybe we should all learn, which is, you know, in our desperate desire 
to get known or to put food on the table you can sometimes end up doing everything that comes your way and you know no matter what the question is your answer is always yes i can do it and maybe that's not a good idea because that's when brands get diluted you want to probably ask yourself what is it that you stand for what is it that you really want to do where is it that you add value and if you stay true to that and focus on it then i think bit by bit you know session by session hour by hour day by day the brand will get built then don't try too hard but you know just do what the right stuff would be but maybe something else which is important is don't be scared to sell yourself and i think many and i've been a salesman in my life so i've seen you know selling takes rejection selling needs a lot of guts that's where you know you're willing to stand out there and hear no for an answer a lot of people who haven't sold anything in their lives are scared of rejection they're scared of what will people say what if i get turned down what if no one wants to you know so these fears hold us back the truth is if you don't ask the answer is no so unless you ask you'll never know and i think it's it's important therefore and you know i remember when i you know, bit of an aside here but i when i wrote my first book i remember my publisher telling me that you know the problem and i was still running a business at that time and she said you know the problem with you ceo guys is that you know you guys think you're too cool and you wouldn't try and promote your book and she gave me the example of a very famous man i can name him nandan nilakani great guy and she said he had written a book around that time and she says you know what she used to tell me that if anybody went and met nandan within 30 seconds you know there would be a book in the guy's hand and nandan was not ashamed of it he had written a book he was very proud of and he wanted people to read it and she says you know if you've done something you've got to be willing to go out there and try and sell your stuff and i think that was pretty good advice for anybody trying to do this brilliant i loved your talk on being authentic and being true to yourself because i think that is the core dna of a great leader so how did you build this did you see this in somebody else that you admired that you wanted to do it so walk us through that journey i think um, it's probably comes out of a lot of stuff that might happen very early in your life and honestly i'm not sure if it's something that i would i would say is important as a leader and something that you know let's say when you're becoming a leader you now say gosh tomorrow morning i'm going to become a leader so now i need to be authentic i think that's a tough one it probably starts much earlier and a lot of it i think is to do with being comfortable with who you are and perhaps you know parents friends teachers early mentors in that sense have a role in helping each of us feel good about whatever it is that we do and i sometimes worry when i look around that i think very often what happens to us is that we get told what we are not good at mm. you know you're very good footballer you know you're very good very nice but you also write very well but yeah damn look at your grades in math terrible you know so you're you're terrible you suck at math but then you start worrying that hey that's really what i'm not good at and you tend to focus on it and that i think affects your self confidence and affects your sense of self worth you always feel you're not good enough and i think maybe all of us owe it to young people to children today to say you know look at what they're good at and help people feel good about what they do and i think that's true so if you have someone who's driving a car you know maybe he's got a hundred other problems in life but if he drives well it's our job to tell him that you know he's probably the f- most fabulous chauffeur there is in the world and that suddenly gives him the confidence to say you know what i can take on the world because i'm bloody good at what i do that i think allows us to be authentic okay when you are comfortable being who you are when you don't try too hard to be something else when you're not constantly you know you it's you still work on getting better 
but you're not constantly trying to do patchwork and touch up to say, you know what, I have a flaw here, let me fix it. I have a flaw here, let me fix it. That's not what you're trying to do. You're just trying to say, hey, I have lots of strengths. How can I sharpen those strengths? And I think you then start taking yourself less seriously. You're not too concerned about external approval. You're not constantly seeking approval from other people. You're not trying to be impressing other people. You're just trying to be yourself and, and then you start focusing on others and you start saying, can I help other people? And I think that's the kind of mix that can make people more authentic, be themselves, be comfortable in their own skin. And I think that is important no matter what you do. I think it doesn't, whether you're a one-man army or a leader of a million people, you've got to be you know, comfortable being who you are, at peace with yourself, and then you can make a difference to other people. If you're not, you're constantly worried about yourself. You're constantly worried about how am I looking? And instead of looking at the world around you, you're looking for a mirror to make sure, you know, that you're, you're as good as you thought you were. That can be dangerous. Got it. Brilliant. Talk us about how you juggle many things. You're a speaker, you're an author, you're a consultant, you're on the advisory board of a few companies. So how does that happen? I think a lot of it comes together very naturally for me. So my speaking and my writing and some of the work that I do around leadership development is all probably in one bucket, one space in that sense. Because what I speak and what I write about are pretty similar. They feed off each other. And then I do some work with teams and leaders around coaching them, which again, in a sense, building off the same pool of knowledge and experience. The interesting bit about being an advisor to startups through a private equity fund that I work with or on the board of a company is I think it, it allows me to stay connected with the world of business and corporates. And that's, I think, an important one for me. I keep learning new stuff and I don't have to constantly be looking at saying, you know, in my time, what did I do or how did I solve a problem? Because I'm now looking at younger people, I'm looking at other businesses, uh, in fact, at a variety of businesses. And it gives me a pretty interesting peep into the challenges of, you know, what doing business today are. It keeps me in touch with what's going on out there. It also allows me to see various leaders in action, you know, what's working, what's not. And I think in a sense, it's my, it's like a, a bit of a, a self-rejuvenation kind of project where I'm learning something and trying to give back or contribute. Mm. That's, that's what works for me. So when you wrote your first book, Prakash, you were the CEO of Kimberly Clark. So... How did you manage the time at that point? And more importantly, the question I'm leading to is, how has books helped you as a CEO and as a consultant, as a leader? Uh, so, honestly, the first book was written before I became the CEO of Kimberly Clark, but published while I was in that role. But I did write another book while I was CEO of Kimberly Clark, so that's not to get away from it. I, I guess I used to write, I enjoyed writing and I was very keen to write that first book. And therefore, that got me really excited. And you'll find time. I think people who say I don't have the time are kidding themselves. If you think something is important enough for you, if you think something really matters, you'll find time for it. And I would find lots of time. And I guess, you know, I must also thank, uh, you know, airlines and airports. And, I, I, you know, if I'm hanging around, I should travel a lot, as I still do. And therefore... You know, if you're alone at home or in a hotel room, it's not difficult to spend a couple of hours and continue, right? You, you want to do it. And I think you'll find time for it. Um, maybe there's something else that's interesting, which is that very often you need to, something else just goes out of your life. Okay. And for me, in a way, I'm not sure if it was very conscious, but I don't watch television. Mm. 
other than watching sport on I'm a big big sucker for sport so I watch a lot of sport on television but I do not watch television so I don't watch a news show I don't watch any entertainment no movie no serial none of those and it's not like I said to myself that I have to give up on something and I have to sacrifice TV watching it just happens and I think that's where your life kind of you know if you know what you want to do automatically I think the less important stuff gets deprioritized and gradually just vanishes part of the evolution perhaps but i think that's worked for me so i don't watch television so I, whenever i'm in a room i'm either reading or i'm writing and you know or talking to people uh, and that kind of works uh, that's what happens so the next one is a bit of a tough one so brace yourself i started this community called failure is fuel where we speak with successful people and ask them what's been your biggest failure or some of your biggest failures what have you learned from it so i'm going to put that question to you yeah that would call for an a complete day of conversation if you need to understand what i learned from failure i think i failed several times lots of things have happened where i probably tried to do something and not got it right um you know starting from the fact that i'm sure my parents at some stage thought i should be an engineer and you know and i should have been in an iit and i didn't go to an engineering college and honest if truth be told i didn't make it to an iit so you know clearly there's a million people out there who in a sense were better than me on that one but maybe that's the lesson that i learned that i don't think we need to decide whether we are better or worse than someone else because of a parameter on which somebody else might be better than us i think you've just got to find what is it that you are uniquely good at what are your strengths and go to work on those you know and i still say this you know even today i think i you know if i had if i had to fix my you know a recorder to my set top box and to the television and then tune it out and and say how can i get my laptop to play off it i'm guessing that i you know a 10 year old kid would do it better than i would do it naturally i get bored by it i don't enjoy it but that's who i am and i think that's that's probably a lesson that stayed with me i you can never be very good at everything mm-hmm. but don't worry and just find other people who are very good at the thing that you're not good at as you build a team and let them get on with it make sure that you respect what they do so i have great respect for people who are good at skills i am not good at i don't in any way kind of discount them i think it's fantastic but you get to work on what you are good at okay i think there's something else i've failed with which is you know i've i've, I've struggled with taking people decisions when i need to get rid of people for example you know one of the toughest things in my life as a as a leader has been when i have to take a tough call on someone and i've had enough feedback to tell me that i've perhaps let business results suffer because i didn't take the right people call and therefore you know don't get emotionally attached to your team don't get too close to your people but again i think it's a lesson that you probably try and balance out and say hey if that's who i am how can i still ensure that i don't let business results suffer it's not about saying it's one or the other how do you ensure both happen But so there are times when I think you do things which don't come good. Um, you learn. Last two questions. So one is about global expansion. At Pepsi, you've had a role that took you to Sri Lanka, to China. So for entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, what would be your advice when people want to expand globally? I think there's a certain charm and attraction to in in the kind of work that I do to say that you know I've I've gone and spoken in London or I've spoken in the US or in Singapore or whatever um but I think it's more important to kind of say that look first ensure that you've got it right in your own home base and I think there's enough opportunity out here there's there's a huge opportunity to make a difference and in a sense I have 
the way I look at my own work and my role, I see that as being able to make a difference to the people that I might be doing something with. And I think I hey, as I see lots and lots of young people. I can people I can culturally relate to, people whose situations I can kind of completely understand. And I think I'm pretty well placed to to be able to make a difference to those people. Um, I'd like to believe and some, you know, I'd, I'd certainly want my book to be published in the United States or in the UK. But I also recognize that I love cricket and a lot of my books have cricket stories. Now, clearly, that's not going to work in another part of the world. So one option would be for me to say, you know, let me try and read up on baseball or football and write about it. I wouldn't do it because I want to get to another market. That's not the way I would have looked at it. Having said that, I say this again, that you should look to stretch yourself and not just do what's easy and comfortable. Push yourself to goals which might look difficult to achieve. Because I think in, when you push yourself for those goals, you'll get better. You'll get new skills. And therefore, for me, it's not... I would still say this. Yes, I would one day want to say that, hey, I have a book which is an international bestseller. Or I'd want to say that, you know, when I've gone and spoken outside this country, it's not just because an Indian business took me out there or a multinational with an Indian presence took me out there but because there was actually a client in that part of the world who discovered me. And for him to discover me, I would need to do things which really meant that I upped my game, became far more visible, became someone who got seen almost as an international authority. Now, whether I want to do that desperately or not is not the question. Do I want to get better? I think the answer is yes. And that's the way I would probably encourage entrepreneurs to look at it. So if it's, you might have a large Indian market, for example, and you could be selling anything, it could be a food product, an industrial product, but you might want to go international only to tell yourself, am I good enough? Is my product world class? And whether you then sell in that part of the world or not is irrelevant. Making your product world class, I think that's a good objective to have. Brilliant. And, and last one, <clears throat> what are your passions? What are your hobbies? How do you de-stress? Passions, hobbies, how do I de-stress? So I, I love sport. I'm a big cricket fan, so I can watch my wife complains that if Afghanistan is playing Ireland in an inconsequential game, you know, I'll still be in front of the TV watching it, which is not true. Well, okay, maybe sometimes it is, but so I enjoy watch the sport a lot. I play a bit of golf, uh, which is, a, a you know, I, I quite enjoy uh, and it's de-stressing. It also very humbling. It tells you that you, know, you can constantly get better than where you are. It also tells you that, you know, I think it's got a lesson for all of us, which is you're really playing against yourself. You're not really playing against anybody else when you play golf. You know, you're just against how good you can be. And that's a good, good kind of principle to have for yourself in life that there's a lot waiting to be done out there. And it's not about saying, can I beat someone else or be better than someone else? It's really about saying, can I be as good as I potentially can be? Um, that's probably what it's all about. I read a lot too. And maybe that's the other thing that I do. Uh, Prakash, thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure having this conversation. My pleasure entirely. Thanks so much for having me here. You were listening to the conversation with Prakash Ayer, best-selling author, leadership coach and professional speaker. I hope you enjoyed and benefited from this podcast. You can find all the episodes of this show on my website kiruba.com slash podcast. If you have any suggestions to improve this show, please do not hesitate to write to me at kiruba at kiruba.com. I look forward to seeing you again next fortnight with another mover and shaker. Until then, take care and bye-bye.